It is 11 to 12. Robbie Griffiths joins me now, and uh, he's got a big weekend of racing coming up with some interesting horses going around. How are you, Robbie? Very good, thank you, John. Now, you've got a fascinating runner here going around Sunday at Flemington in the Chester Manifold. That's Catch-22. It's a, a South African horse, or originally bred there, um, and raced over there and went to England as well. Tell us a bit about the horse. Yeah, he's a horse that uh, Matt's, uh, Matt's dad uh, trained uh, in South Africa, and he got to some pretty high-level racing over there. He got to Group 1 level, and then he went to uh, went to England en route to Australia, and he, he didn't really sort of fire up as much there, and he's found his way here, and uh, he's had a he's had a nice um, preparation leading into Saturday, or oh, Sunday, I should say. Naturally, he's going to improve, you know, with the benefit of uh, uh, of the run. He's still settling into uh, the way of going here. But uh, if he kicks off on, uh, on New Year's Day and... Uh, See how he handles everything, and uh, I'm sure that uh, as he goes along, he'll he'll improve and, and do well. You know, he's a, he's won between fourteen hundred, sixteen hundred overseas. There, he ran second in the Champions Cup, a Group One race at Gravel in South Africa, and they they labelled the horse to beat him a champion. Yeah, exactly. So you know, we, we'd like to think that um, you know he'll do well once he uh, once he acclimatises. He still hasn't his coat hasn't fully come through yet, um, but as you say, some of the form lines around him have been very, very good. So we think that uh, once he uh, gets into the full swing of things here, he should do quite well. But um, we're not sort of putting too, much, too many expectations on him on, on New Year's Day, but we do think that um, these are the sort of races that he can, he can be very competitive in. You know? He got out to 1,800 overseas in Group 1 company. I mean, have you got anything pencilled in? you want to target with him here? Oh, no, I think there's lots of options. Matt and I just want to see him acclimatise first, uh, be competitive on our local scene, and then we can be ambitious and, and stretch, you know, into the 14, 16 and 1800 metre races. Naturally, there's lots of races that are going to suit him on, on our programs. It's more so making sure that he settles in. You know, he's had the long flight trips, uh, you know, to travel around the world, and he's got to, uh, he's got to settle in, and, and his form's got to warrant which direction he goes first before we uh, before we start getting ahead of ourselves, you know? Callum Murray, has he ridden for you much? He's on the horse. Uh, yeah, no, he's won for us. He's won for us here, but he's been based in uh, South Australia. Mm. But it's important, you know, he's in, going to be an important part of the uh, package because he's uh, he's ridden him so much uh, in... in uh, he's ridden him in, um, in, in South Africa, of course, so he knows him and uh, his feedback's going to be important to us as we move forward with his uh, acclimatisation to to um, to how he settles into Australia. You know, like he's mainly, he rode him a lot in his training and everything like that with Mike, but he's beaten him over there uh, when he was uh, riding against him, you know, with Mamus and horses like that. So he knows him well from uh, the experiences in South Africa. So uh, albeit beating him on Mamus, but um, he'll be able to give us his feedback uh, uh, when uh, when he's uh, rides him on the New Year's Day. Now, Robbie, years ago, when you get a horse from overseas, they'd often say, give them a short prep, tip them out, they'll fire better the second prep. But these days, it seems we can travel them better. We've adapted probably better than the horses. This bloke, you said, Catch-22, still got he hasn't dropped his coat, so he's still got a winter coat almost in the middle of summer. Yeah, it, it was starting to really move now, but this year has been a weird, weird year. Like, even a lot of our local horses uh, haven't really dropped their, their coat uh, you know, at the same rate because of the crazy year that we've had. So... Um, that hasn't been uncommon, but uh, so we don't know whether it's just the crazy year we've had or whether it's because he's still acclimatising to our way. So, so it's you know it's in, what we do know is that, irrespective of uh, 
win, lose or draw on New Year's Day, we do believe that there's plenty of room for improvement. So, you know, we're keen to see how he runs. Um, but uh, if he gives us a, a, a sensational performance, uh, we do believe there's room for improvement, which will be a good thing, you know. Now, you won a race at Geelong the other day, and uh, just trying to the name of the horse, but it, it raced really well, Ocean Raider. And it looked a tough win. Yeah, he's a horse that's always given us uh, a good deal of promise, but he's, uh, he's a genuine firm track horse. That he, he got that uh, Wangaratta resuming and was unlucky, and uh, the, the cut was just in the ground second up, and he turned his nose up on, on those conditions. So he's a real old-style um, you know, Aussie horse that loves the... Uh, well, you're pretty New Zealand, but Aussie sort of horse of uh, summer, summer racing, and uh, he got that the other day, and he had to sort of travel a little wide on the corner, but it was a good, tough win. So Craig knew it was... Most impressed with that, and uh, he's a horse that can go on with the job this time of the year. Should we get those summer tracks that uh, you know we might get at the moment, and if he gets those uh, continually, he uh, get he, if those conditions pursued, he'll he'll continue on his winning ways. You know? Now, an interesting runner you got on Sunday is Mister Moneybags. Now, notice in the ownership yourself and your wife. It looks like they're under a bit of pressure with Sirani in. But uh, Mr. Moneybags just hasn't been bringing home the money the last couple. He ran second at Cranbourne, second up. Oh, he's a bit long in the tooth, the old boy. We, we like him hanging around the place because he's a bit of a, a fun old horse for us. But uh, when you get to that stage of uh, your life in the athlete department, it's a bit like footballers that can't play four quarters. He, he, plays, <laughs> he plays one good one every now and then, but we like him hanging around the, around the stables. And uh, as you've seen at Cranbourne, he can pull one out every now and then. So if he's feeling well on the day, um, you'll see him run well, but uh, you've just got to hope that he turns up. So he's jumping around this morning, so with a bit of luck, he's jumping around on New Year's Day and gives us a good run. Well, the sound of what you said, I think he's never leaving the place. He's a future lead pony, correct? <laughs> I think he is. He's, <laughs> a, he's a bit of a pet, so we like him uh, We like him hanging around. Fantastic. Entremet or Entremet by Magnus. Put two together, which they don't often do, at um, Pakenham and also at Sale. A good run the other day at Sandown. She was a good run because that was the first run at 1,400 and uh, Craig Williams had to go back and be conservative on her. um, But she showed that she could run the distance. So that opened up some avenues for her to to, uh, run over this race and this distance. And that... uh, that gives her a chance to, to be competitive again, you know. So where, you know, first two runs returning this time around were two good wins. She got a bit lost up the straight and was unlucky at the valley. So, you know, she's a very consistent, uh, she's a very consistent filly and we think that, you know, she can give us a good sight again on uh, news day, yeah. You got Michelotti in as well, a three-year-old, he's a gelding by Sebring. Is he just a muddy? He loves the heavy. No, we don't think he is, but he's another one that's uh, taken a while to look like a winner. He's still a bit wiry in the coat, and we think that, you know, when was a draw, he's a runaway still. Um, but we think that uh, when he hits his form, he holds his form. So he's more one to watch at the moment. But um, when he does, uh, you'll, you'll see him run his way in the condition, but we think just watch him watch him at the moment. But he did go up really well with Catch-22 uh, yesterday uh, morning on route to this, you know. Robbie, been a lot of discussion about Sandown. They've spent money there doing it up and so forth. And it's interesting now with the training bases, you've got Packenham right out in the southeast, Cranbourne right out in the southeast. And Cindy Orson made a point yesterday. She mentioned when you're stuck on the Monash and you really are stuck, the horses can get stirred up, they're breathing fumes. That is the ring road an option almost if you've got to go to Flemington because at least you move and you've got fresh air through the float. 
Yeah, exactly. And well, that's one of the one of the things that we've brought up, you know, as a group of trainers that I think it's something like seventy six percent of the growth of horses is in the southeast now with the development of the Packenham training and the Cranbourne training complex is the biggest and the best in Australia and Mornington and so on. So, you know, we're we're so bullish about keeping sand down because we can see you know, uh, through the development of, uh, of the Melbourne Metro being a ring and everything's developing around it. I think the city of Casey's now got 500,000 people and growing and, and the roads can only sort of handle so much. So we can see the racing sort of fracturing in the sort of southeast and southwest with, you know, the Ballarat trainers and Warrnambool and so on sort of coming from one side and, and the southeast coming from the other. So, um, you know, even with this new land that they're building and so on, if they end up sort of racing on one side, you can see one side coming to race and meeting in, in the middle, possibly Flemington and Mooney Valley will be more racing there and and uh, and the southeast racing more so at Sandown so that the horses aren't stuck in that, you know, uh, you know, stuck on traffic where they possibly, you know, their bicarb levels rise and they sweat a lot and dehydration and all those things when you're stuck in traffic because, you know, on the Monash and those areas, you know, there's, there's certain parts of it where they can't widen, um, they can't widen the lane so you, you worry about the traffic flow, you know, so... They're all the things that you know pop up in discussion. Mm. So they're, they're, they're good, valid points, and uh, hence the reason we're, we're quite bullish about keeping sand down because it's a very easy pathway uh, with the with, where the traffic can flow really well to get there for the volume of horse growth in this area. Talking with Robbie Griffiths, Robbie at Sandown. The other point that's been made too is that the stalls, the tie-ups, you almost need to cut lunch to get up there. If they redevelop, could they bring them down? Perhaps. Uh, undercover, closer there, tunnel going through, a bit like Mooney Valley out to the front? Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of scope for, uh, you know, so many, you know, great ideas, you know, if, uh, you know, with development to, you know, possibly even put them under, under the manning yards and underground, keep them cooler, um, you know, uh, closer for, you know, for the trainers and uh, all that sort of stuff and, uh, and you know, allow the, you know, the, the clubs and everything to maximise, you know, the revenue of, you know, utilising the, the land around it uh, to turn into cash flow and everything like that. And then, and also it has, uh, you know, the scope to uh, to use those facilities for other things down the track. So, you know, I think that, um, you know, by having uh, racing heads join with development heads and so on, uh, those type of experiences and uh, knowledge joined together gives all of those fantastic opportunities to to evolve as one and then you get the best of both worlds so that we can, you know, maintain our track, um, you know, because there's so many developments these days, you know, you need green areas, you need areas to move the, you know, to catch the water uh, because high density developments and so on have to put it somewhere so we can put it into the centre of the track, which we already have to use the water, the, the, the racetrack and so on. So, um, and the, the grandstand territory is listed, so you need to maintain that, fill it up, use it to, you know, restaurants and so on. So... I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of benefits in uh, joining together and coexisting like they do in other areas. We're going to do it at Mooney Valley, Happy Valley around the world, um, and all of these areas. And geez, there's a lot of coexistence with golf courses and uh, and housing and so on. So we should be doing it at Sandown. Then we get the best of uh, best of everything. Probably the feedback from trainers, most of them seem to like Sandown. What a race there! Oh, absolutely. And you know, inside of the jockeys, I mean, I think when I was listening to Blake Shim when he hopped off the winner. Recently, when he got back, he said he thinks it's you know one of the best, if not one of the you know, best tracks he's ridden on in the, around the world. You know, when you get the validation and accreditation of people like you know riders like Blake that have ridden around the world, and uh, I think that's a, a greater uh, rap and and uh, accreditation that you can get. You know, and I think that 
racetracks take a long time to, um, you know, uh, consolidate. And, uh, and that track has since they've turned it into two tracks. And I think that uh, industries can't afford to let go of such golden assets like that. So I think that they're so important. And as we said, where they're located with the growth and uh, road structure uh, of uh, what we've discussed already, I think it's so important to retain them, especially until other tracks have been built uh, on land that's been purchased. I think it's so important, you know. So I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, intelligent heads behind uh, boardrooms, but I think when you combine them with the intellect that we have in the training ranks that... uh, that we're discussing uh, these ideas joining together, I think we can uh, have the best of both worlds and retain the track and uh, and also have the ideas that have been put on the table. So, But, you know, there's a lot of, you know, every trainer wants to retain it, every jockey wants to retain it, and I think it's great racing. I think the punters do too. When you put on some good racing there, as we've seen recently, geez, the crowd's flocked to these mm. meetings uh, lately and the wagering's been great, you know. Do the uh, hierarchy listen to the participants enough? Well, I think the wagering answers that. You know, I think that I think that they do. I think the hierarchy do listen because I think the, a lot of the meetings have been restricted meetings over the last few years. But since they've been developing Caulfield, some of these meetings that have been going on, uh, the wagering has been fantastic, and the crowds have really flocked to the meetings. And I think you'll see that in the upcoming months with the Blue Diamond meetings going there and so on. And I think that whilst they're uh, developing Caulfield, you'll see those questions will be answered just with the um, with the people supporting, you know, both wagering and quality horses and, and so on. So I think so it'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy, Sean. Right? All right. Good on you, Robbie. Good to catch up. Good luck with Catch-22. It'll be a fascinating experience on the Sunday in the Chester Manifold at Flemington. Yeah, terrific. Good on you, Sean. Thank you.